Welcome to Shoujo and Tell, where we discuss shoujo manga and tell who's hot and who's not, talk about themes, and just generally geek out. Today, July 23rd, 2018, we'll be shoujo and telling about the first 11 volumes of Banana Fish by Akimi Yoshida. To be clear, that means we're covering about like 58% of the series because there's 19 volumes. That's how math works. I'm your host, Ashley McDonald, and I'm joined by Marion. Hi, Marion. Hi. Would you like to give it? I know you are a banana fish super fan. That's about the only thing I know about you. <laughs> uh, so would you like to say what else you're into? So I like I like shoujo a lot. But yeah, I like both shoujo and shonen, you know, the action stuff, the fights, and the over-the-top drama and shoujo manga. So yeah, I think banana fish is a pretty good combination of the both, of both, of both things. So, Well, would you like to summarize what banana fish is about what the ding dong is a banana fish <laughs> oh my god banana fish is it's so much how, how can you even describe that series i don't know that's okay. why i kicked it to you <laughs> <laughs> okay so it, it's basically a war story between the mob and street guns where ash Links is trying to fight this mafia boss Papa Dino goes in to gain his freedom and everything starts when he discovers banana fish. And yeah, that, that that's pretty much the basic plot. And banana fish is some type of drug. At first you're like misled to believe that it's a person, but I'm like, come on, it's not a person. <laughs> yeah, it, a person of our, an organization or any, or something like that, but it's actually a drug, yeah. Yeah, it's a drug that like manipulates people, so that's fun. And so, I why are you such a, a super fan of this series? <laughs> well, Banana Fish basically has a lot of stuff that I usually like in fiction. It has drama, it has action, it has gunfights, it has knife fights, it has a battle of wits, it has romance, it has compelling relationships between all kinds of characters, friendships. Um, it has gangs. It has it has a lot. It has comedy. It, it has everything. But you can find practically everything in Banana Fish. That's true. I agree. And when did you first uh, read Banana Fish? The first time I read it was two years ago. But I have known about this series since forever. Basically, I think I have known about it for ten years now. But I wasn't ready okay. back then, so yeah. I read the first time I read it was two years ago. Then I read it again last year, and now I'm reading again. Right, because now there's an anime, so now we're yeah. all into it, right? I did not know about this series before hearing about the anime, and then seeing you like your your Twitter account is basically a banana fish yeah. <laughs> Twitter account at this point. <laughs> it's banana Twitter at this point. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, Marion seems like Marion's really hype about this. This must be a, a big thing. I should I should get in on this, right? <laughs> so then I, I I have only just read it for this podcast, so everybody is aware. I am the banana fish noob. And I would like to clarify that banana fish. So banana fish 
as a manga is actually quite old. It ran initially from 1985 to 1993, I want to say. Is that right? I don't know. Four. Four. Four? Okay. Close enough. Some, somewhere in that range. Like <laughs> 10 years uh, yeah. back in the day. But there's a, a recent anime that is currently airing. And Viz Media had published this series initially all the way back in 1999 initially and then ran it again in like 2004 or something. And I was very afraid that I would have to tell everybody that this series is out of print and it's very hard to get. Like, I only got it through the library. But Viz did announce recently that they are re-releasing it. Well, by the time this comes out, it will definitely be available. And the anime is currently airing on I've, in North America. It's available on Amazon. I have not watched the anime. I know you've been watching the anime, which is good because people want to know your feelings about <laughs> yeah. animated manga. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I have not watched it on Amazon. I do have to admit that I like despise Amazon as a corporation, so I do not use Amazon for anything. <laughs> and hence I will not watch the anime until it's like on Blu-ray or something, I guess. So yeah, so we are now going to spoil all the things. So yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, you know, at least go watch some anime or read some of the manga. But again, we are not covering the whole thing. So if you're cool with like half series spoilers, like come join us <laughs> if you have not read it. Yeah. So I wanted to start off by giving more historical context for this series because I think it's it's very much a product of its time, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do you want to do you want to start off with that? Yeah, I mean, Banana Fish is extremely 80s. Like, it's impossible to separate it from the time in which it was written. That, that's one of the reasons what, that everyone is, is like, why? Why is the anime, the anime set in modern day time? This is so active. It's impossible to do this in modern time. And they're doing it anyway, and it still feels 80s. But yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's extremely 80s. You, 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 you may have noticed that already. <laughs> yeah, this style is very like, oh, wow, hi. <laughs> like, um, but I think it's also a product of its... I think it's very good at this. It is both a product of its literary time and of a political moment, I think, too. So I wanted to clarify. I think people also see Banana Fish and they're like, why, what? What's a banana fish? That's a weird name, <laughs> right? Is that a common sentiment you see? You know, I had to admit that it's weird to me when people react to the name because I have known about it for so long. I don't even remember how I react to it. So to me, it just it's a common name for me by now. So when people are like, <laughs> yeah, you're just like that's a normal fish, thing. It's like, yeah, it's like what? Okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's so good in emojis. You know, you just take a banana and a fish. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Um, but so I wanted to clarify that Banana Fish actually does have a, uh, a longer storied history. It is taken from a J.D. Salinger story called Perfect Day for Banana Fish. And there's lots of literary references throughout uh, this series. Ash initially says, like in volume one, he's like, uh, Salinger, I'm more of a I'm more of an Ernest Hemingway boy. And I was like, Ash, you are my new best friend. I also love Ernest Hemingway and we are uh, <laughs> I had the opposite reaction like oh really <laughs> no I mean I'm familiar with Hemingway and he was like why go read half your things please why would you read that are you are you suffered enough 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. So having those, both of those references means you should definitely know what you're getting into with Banana Fish because that means it's going to be very, very tragic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are, there are some mentions of Stephen King, too, at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They start mentioning Stephen King a lot by the end because they're like, this sounds like we're in a Stephen King novel. And I'm like, are you in a Stephen King novel? Wouldn't yeah. it be great if Stephen King started <laughs> tweeting about Banana Fish? Oh, my God. I would die. <laughs> um, but so the the banana fish reference in the Salinger story, a banana fish is a fish that like goes in a hole and then eats a bunch of bananas and then gets so fat that it can't get back out of the hole, so it dies. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so like that's the story you're getting into, y'all. And the specific Hemingway references that happen throughout are about the snows of Kilimanjaro, which is a story about a guy who has like an infection while he's trying to, like, climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but, you know, people can't come rescue him, so he dies, but his his spirit, like, transcends to the summit of <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro, where the legendary leopard is, and I'm like, okay, oh, boy, I see where this is going, but, yeah. And, yeah, and the the way Banana Fish mentions a perfect day for Banana Fish is supposedly to say that when Banana Fish is the fish of death and when you come across it, you want to die. And that's a good description of the drag, actually. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is like, people are like, oh my God, I know I'm controlled by this drug, so please kill me. <laughs> so that's the only way I can escape. It's dark. Also, it's a queer story from the 80s. So I mean, mm, dark. Nothing ever goes well for queer stories in the 80s. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then the only other brief thing I wanted to mention historical-wise is that since it is about... So there's also a whole... The whole setup is that it's a kind of about some POW... Or not POWs, but about some veterans who served in the Vietnam War. And that's how they first heard about banana fish. And so, you know, it's definitely making the overt connection between... Uh, the war on drugs, which, you know, gets started around 1970s, 1980s time, and actual war. And I, I definitely think it's it's dealing with, you know, a lot of street gang violence leads to PTSD, especially with Ash and uh, all the sexual abuse as well. It's it's a dark manga, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think the literary connections are pretty neat because when you think about it, Banana Fish itself, it's a war story, and Ash feels like a soldier, and a lot of the times he even feels like a veteran himself with the way he deals with his pain and his trauma. Yeah, that boy's killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when you think about it, he was pretty much forced into a position when he has to fight to survive. It's, that's why I say he feels pretty much like a soldier in a war, like he either kills or, or gets killed. And, you know, it, it's pretty heavy because... He's just a 17-year-old that just want to be free and have a normal life. And instead, he's, you know, fighting against the mob. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh, Ash. Yeah. By the end, he's 18 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's 18 now. Yeah. So he's no longer a minor, which is, uh, you know, bad. But uh, for him, but... <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, I guess, there's also specific Cold War references that they make. At some point, in reference to, like, that's why they're using the drug. They're, like, really paranoid about Russians and everything. I was like, this feels a little too on the nose now. I don't know. It's Are we out yeah. of the 80s? I don't know. 
yeah, there's a lot of mention of the government wanting to fight against the communists and, and so on. And when Max and, and Ash are learning about what banana fish is, the first thing that comes to Max's mind as an example is, oh, yes, that's what the Russians did when they wanted to, to send spies and so on. And that's, that's so extremely 80s. It also feels kind of extremely 2018 right now. <laughs> <laughs> See? That's why they're making an anime. <laughs> they history know. repeats itself. <laughs> yeah, history is repeating itself. So they're like, hey, it's a good time to do this. Yeah. yeah, that's actually what I think. Like, you know what? Banana Fish might be extremely ladies, but it's totally applicable to 2018 still. This is pretty sad, actually. <laughs> there were definitely some moments where I was like, "You've cut too deep, Banana Fish. You've you've cut me so much." Like, uh, there's the one background graffiti that's like, "Don't you love our Western ways?" And I was like, "Too too deep, Banana Fish." Yeah, I hurt. <laughs> no, I, whenever someone asks Banana Fish is irrelevant, I always think of Ash in that panel when he's like, "If you ask me, the White House can go screw itself," and it's like, "Yeah." Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> Still playable. <laughs> he is correct. Um, but I guess we should get into who all these characters are. There are a lot of characters, so I don't know how we're going to like choose which ones are more important. But Ash is obviously very important. So you want to you wanna explain what Ash's deal is? Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Okay, so Ash is basically a survival a survivor of child sexual abuse and child pornography and human trafficking it's it's a lot (laughs) he was bought when he was like 11 papadino bought him when he was 11 and he was treated like a uh, like a sex slave and he was forced into pornography but as soon as dino realized that ash has potential that he has brains He's like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is a human being after all. And he started to tra- to train him, and he, to train his mind and his body. He he like teaches him the art of war. He teaches him how to use guns, how to fight. You know, if you're familiar with superheroes, Ash is basically a three-level vigilante. He has the strength, he yeah. has the skills, he has he has everything. He's like a superhero. Everyone compares, like, when, I mean, when people compare him to Rambo and Terminator, it, it's hilarious, but it's accurate, you know? <laughs> it's definitely accurate. There's a point where he's like, he's like, I have strapped myself with machine guns and I'm going to blow up this whole compound. Yo, what's up? And I'm like, oh my God. Gosh, <laughs> I still I still think about that part when when they're like he has a grenade launcher. I know, right? So, he literally it's does. So good. Oh it's so my good. goodness! No, you know, at some point you're like, you know what? He has to make them pay. I don't care if you give this boy laser beams. You can make him an X Men if you want to, but make <laughs> it happen. They have to pay <laughs> because yeah. I mean, his skill is it, kind of like proportional to the amount of pain he goes through. So it, it feels justified, you know? Yeah, no, I was so... Because, you know, the, the initial story you get about Ash is definitely about Dino and the human trafficking and the sexual abuse from him. And then I was like, wow, that's already so dark. And then you go to... This is like volume two or three, but you go to his hometown and you hear his dad talk to him. This was the moment that's like blew my mind 
is the scene where they're talking with his dad and his dad's like, yeah, so he had a baseball coach who was also a pedophile and Ash was seven and raped by this guy. And we went to the police and the police were like, well, you don't have proof slash you probably seduced this very much older man. So we're not going to help you. And then his dad gives, Ash's dad gives the advice to Ash that he's like, well, if we can't stop this abuse, then at least make him pay you, like, in money, I guess, uh, or whatever, like, favors, something to for, for your sexual services. And that is apparently what keeps Ash alive, because then they find out that the baseball coach, like, murders the children that he's uh, sexually molested. And I'm like, oh my god, that's so uh, dark. Yeah, but that was a moment that I mean, when I first read Banana Fish, that was a moment that I realized that this was something special. You know, this is not messing around. I mean, it treats rape culture for what it is. How many times have we heard this? I, I mean, as women, how many times have we heard this? Like, maybe it's your fault. But how were you dressing? What were you telling to him? Like, they always, I mean, this mentality of victim blaming. And you have an eight years, and he was like seven or eight years old. And how can I, I mean, you have a police blaming a kid for, I mean, they blame a kid and uh, I can't even. I know, it's so bad. I get so frustrated. I can't, I, don't, I can't even think what to say. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's so obviously, how could, how would you blame a child for doing something like that? It's so in the nose, but it happens. It happens to women from all ages, and it happens to men, too. And it's, it's banana fish just doesn't mess around when it addresses abuse. I know, well, that's a, I guess we can talk about it here. Yeah, it's just like, a banana fish definitely feels like something, like it's very applicable to now in the way that we're having a cultural moment. Like, obviously, it's always happened. That's what Banana Fish proves. And I love that Banana Fish, it has problems, but it definitely uh, never shies away from taking that very seriously. And the way that shoujo manga, you know, normally can have, uh, it doesn't treat certain uh, things with the gravitas that it deserves. But Banana Fish is not one of those. It definitely takes abuse very seriously and is able to humanize both the both sides but it definitely is always like abuse is wrong this is ridiculous (laughs) like yeah and even if ash is the kind of person that gets over it fast i mean he acts like he gets over it fast but you know he he's never truly over it i mean even if he's incredibly wrestling you 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 see how his abuse affects him in different and real ways it's it's extremely dark, but it's it feels honest, you know? I mean, it's just all the characters feel so real and good. And, like, even yeah. when they're doing bad things, you're like, no. Yeah, I mean, Banana Fish can, and it's, I mean, Banana Fish is absolutely over the top. It goes, <laughs> I mean, it's a trip. It's a trip. But the characters themselves feel feel pretty grounded, pretty real, you know, pretty com- very compelling and understandable. Yeah, no, I, you definitely need to have at least some suspension of disbelief to, like, get through this story, right? Like, there's a lot of moments where you're like, that seems pretty extreme. Like, I think, I think Ash would be dead by now, but that's okay. Like, Ash is basically a superhero, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, immune to everything. But so then we have Ash's 
you know, foil counterpart is Eiji. He is uh, supposed to be the sweet and innocent boy from Japan, right? <laughs> yeah. Eiji's such a baby. How else, how else can I describe him? He's such a good boy. <laughs> He's such a pure good boy. He just wants everyone to be... I mean, he just wants to help people, you know. It's, he's such a good boy. <laughs> such a good boy. And he's, supposed, he's older than Ash by like two years or something. <laughs> yeah, he's two years older. And even Eva is like, okay, who's supposed to be older here? But yeah, Eva is, I'm sorry, Eiji. <laughs> this is hilarious because even, I mean, I don't know if you read the descriptions in the volumes, the character descriptions. But oh, I was new. reading them initially. There, there's that there's a mean spirit at some point and they call AG Eve and Eve AG. I don't know. Oh why. yeah, there were a lot of misprints <laughs> in those things. Like they also like with Max and Jessica, they like mixed up Jessica and Jennifer and Jessica's Max's like uh, yeah. ex wife and Jennifer's Ash's mom or whatever. Step-mom. Yeah, a lot of Jay there's yeah, they there are a lot of mistakes there. Anyway, so A.G., it's a pretty innocent boy. You know, he has lived a pretty normal and sheltered life. And he's suddenly in front of all the cows and everything. I mean, he's just suddenly thrown in, in the middle of the war between the gangs and the mafia and so on. But he's still such a such an innocent and pure boy. And he never really changed that that part of him. And that's that's his character strength, you know, that goodness um, he has. I mean, the ability he has to suit others and understand the pain others go through, you know, and so on. Yeah, no, his his definitely uh, there's very much a like America versus Japan view that's going on here. So Ag comes over. What is he supposed? Is he just like helping eBay take pictures? I was kind of confused about the setup. It's like. Uh, eBay, who is his like mentor and AG, come over from Japan and they're like, we want to write, we want to do a story on American youth gangs. I guess they were supposed to team up with Max and Max was supposed to write it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much an excuse. I mean, even wanted to come to America to write the story and he knew Max from before already so Max was like the connection he had to come over and write that and AJ was depressed so he wanted to bring him over so the whole camera assistant thing is just an excuse to bring him with him right okay yeah so they they like come over from they're like yeah we'll just like go take some pictures of you know Ash's gang and Ash and the police are the police like know Ash and they're like yeah Ash is cool like nothing will happen it's fine <laughs> And then AG, like, get, immediately gets kidnapped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Ash, like, immediately falls in love with him. Is that, that's, I think that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely mutual attraction from the first moment they interact. I mean, there's such a difference between Ash and AG. And, and that's one of the things I did that, that attract them to each other at the first moment, like, AG would was drawn to Ash as, you know, the untamable wild Ash and Ash was attracted to Ag's innocence. I mean, he immediately lets him hold his gun. and Yeah, he's like, you can't do anything with this. You, you're so innocent, sure. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, you know, there are people who have, lo- have lost their hands just for asking, you know. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and he just 
gives his gun to A.G. And that's, you know, he doesn't even know A.G. yet, but that already tells you just how much, I mean, how trustworthy A.G. is, how innocent he looks. Yeah, and it, it definitely points out the difference between, like, I mean, this is a stereotype. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to admit this, but, uh, you know, the stereotype of America being, like, this this wild place where even in the cities everybody has a gun and we're just like rampaging around and like like the wild west out there or whatever <laughs> and then in japan they're like you're not allowed to have guns in japan so they're they're all innocent and all these things and i mean they are currently japan after world war ii is kind of uh, very influenced by american culture but we've also uh, you know, they're not allowed to have a standing army and all those things. Like, we are there, mm-hmm. supposed to be their strength and all those things. And so, Banana Fish somehow is like, you know what, I'm going to tackle those. I'm going to tackle that <laughs> uh, dynamic. And there's definitely a mutual, you know, it's not like, oh, America is bad and Japan is great or vice versa. There's some mutual admiration going both ways where... AG's like, you know, Ash has, has seen so many things and is so much stronger than me and, and all these things. And Ash, of course, looks at him and is like, damn, I wish I, you know, lived in Japan. He definitely says that at some point. He's like, I wish I grew up in Japan. It's all, you don't have any bad things that happen there, apparently. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting because uh, I've been to Japan a few times and there was definitely a conversation I had with somebody just at breakfast once, uh, some guy sitting next to me and my friend noticed that we were American and he was like oh you know in Japan culture is just so like stifling like he felt so stifled by the lack of individuality and like all these things and we were like interesting because I think I also have that mutual admiration for Japan where I'm like oh it's so like people won't steal stuff from you in Japan like if you lose your wallet they'll just leave it there and wait for you to like return and all these things um, so it's interesting to see those things played out in this in this manga through these two characters 30 years ago or whatever. <laughs> Math. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because Ibe pretty much say that Eiji was suffocating in Japan that he needed to get out of there, to get out of there, you know. Oh yeah, they do say that at some point and they're like, you know, he cuz he's supposed to be some sort of prodigy pole vaulter. <laughs> Yeah, he was a he was a pretty good pole vaulter, but he has an injury, so yeah, and then he never got back into it. Yeah, and he got the prize after that. Yeah, but uh, you know, then he gets to make Ash fall in love with him by pole vaulting to safety, pole vaulting to rescue in this <laughs> key volume one moment. Yeah, that was a pretty good scene. <laughs> yeah, and it's mentioned too that when Ag comes to America, that he. Like he he came alive again. That that it was a definitely a good idea to pr- to bring him over to him, and that his bond with Ash really did a lot a lot for him, and that how he how Ash is basically the best friend he has ever found, and so on. They use a lot of the word friend to describe this too, by the way. Yeah. Well, you had a you you prefer to call them like platonic lovers. Is that what I read? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is a romance. What happens between them is pretty much a romance, but it's a sexual. It is present as something as sexual, and it's a dynamic that's very strongly based on friendship. I mean, they are each other's best friends, but 
when you hear characters being like, yeah, they're friends, it just feels weird because when you, yeah. <laughs> it feels weird because when you see them, when you see them interact and when you see what they mean to each other, it just feels like, I mean, it feels like they're a lot more than that. So it's weird, you know. Yeah, no, half the time it feels like, it sometimes feels like they're being broy and like jabbing at each other. And then other times I'm like, are you guys flirting with each other? Because I think you are. And you know, they <laughs> hug and stuff. Like they're, they're bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there are definitely scenes where they're absolutely flirting with each other. I always laugh at that part in the mansion, in the mansion arc when they're, basically fighting for their lives and I just stopped in a moment and he's like am I scaring you and and, and he's like nah of course not and are you serious you two idiots you are you're gonna die here stop flaring right now yeah. <laughs> uh, so many Ash and Aji moments I'm sure we will list them later because they're all so good but I guess we should talk about I guess Max is a he's a big deal right he's he's a guy <laughs> <laughs> the central the central characters are pretty much Ash, AG, Max, and Eva. Yeah, we can do Max and Eva at the same time because they're both old farts, right? Is that that was the, the way that they were described? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By Ash. Yeah. They're both dads too. They're pretty much dads to Ash and AG. <laughs> yeah, Daddy O, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I say that. Like there are some translation choices that are like very outdated in a bad way but there are others that are just cold they're hilarious they're so funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know you may have noticed that sometimes you will get lines that are censored and then you will get just curses in the same volume yeah I was very confused by that to be honest I was like what is is going on Viz what have you done (laughs) yeah and honestly I don't even know what's supposed to be because when you if you research that you get info that Supposedly, the pulled version was the censor one, and then the 2014 translated translation was supposed to be uncensored. But that's that's a lie. All of them have curses, real curses, and all of them had lines that are censored. Like they go mother mm, and at some point, and and the next phase you have something like that little fatger. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're inventing words at, at that point, and or. What in the ding dong is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, when I got to that, I was like, wait, aren't I supposed to be in the uncensored land? Like, I'm reading a unflipped, like, version here. It's like volume 10 or 11. Like, what's going on? Why is he still saying ding dong? I'm so confused. Yeah, and the pool version only did like five, six, maybe seven volumes. So after that, it's all the 2014 version. So yeah, I, I'm not, I have no idea what's happening there. Yeah, but but some some translation, I mean, some choices are so so funny. Like it makes banana fish special in a way. But then you get to some translation choices, like some translation choices, like you get all those blurs and so on, and it's like, oh, why? Why did you do that? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of slurs that get slung around, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know if we would we're cool with that in the 2018s, but uh. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I can't speak for the whole manga, but I'm pretty sure that there's a line when Ash is Ash is like, "What are you gay?" And the translation for some reason went with the F word, and yeah, it happened. 
Yeah, I don't know why they went with that, but hmm. <laughs> one of the <laughs> less good things about banana fish, certainly. Um, but yeah, so getting back to Max and eBay, the old farts. Um, <laughs> they so eBay is like Ag's handler. He's a photographer coming over to do a story from Japan. He's very much, uh, he's like just older AG and uh, more worthless, I guess. But he he tangs along with Max normally and Max like, you know, emboldens him a lot of the time, I think. Uh, Max is a Vietnam War veteran who is now a journalist. And I kind of love Max because I, I love the exchange that he had with Ash at one point about Ash being like, you know, Watergate is like a thing of the past. Journalism is dead and... The pen isn't mightier than the sword. And Max is like, I'll show you, you little punk. (laughs) (laughs) I still believe. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that felt very real for 2018. I was like, ooh. Yeah, but it's still so relevant, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, the dynamic between Max and Ash, it's goal. I just love when they're like, and they're acting like they're supposed to be father and son. It's it's hilarious and it's endearing at the same time. Yeah, they pull, they know each other well, and uh, they have a fairly contentious relationship in the beginning, where uh, Max is asked by, I believe, by Charlie and the Inspector Jenkins, the the two main cop people, to to you know protect Ash in prison when he gets thrown in there for a little stint, and so you know they ask. Max to look after him and he's like this one's a wild one like I can't I can't watch after this guy he's he's crazy he's gonna get himself killed get me killed and then eventually Max is like no I can't leave him alone he's so so compelling and like I have to protect him and we're we're in this together we're both researching banana fish trying to figure out what is a banana fish and it's so funny because Max is supposed to be the older one, but Ash is the the one that's that's always like, you know, I wouldn't say that he patronizes him, but he's, you know, regularly making fun of, of him and of his innocence, I will say, kind of. Like, I mean, Max is kind mm. of a idealist person, you know, and Ash, Ash has gone through a lot, so he, he doesn't have time for the, that kind of thing anymore. He's, he's definitely not an optimist person. So yeah. I don't know if I would call it innocence in the way that like AG is very innocent, but I no, would say definitely that, not. yeah, like I would think, I think it's that Max still believes in the power of bureaucracy. He's like, cops will help you. And me writing a story in Newsweek will, will change the world. And Ash is like, I don't have time to go through all these channels and all this nonsense. Like, Somebody has yeah, a gun I mean, in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Max is more of, of a dreamer rather than innocent, actually. AG is the one that, like, he is the personification of innocence, basically. But Ash, but Max is more of a, a dreamer. Like you say, he, he still believes. He wants to believe. Yeah, he wants to believe in, like, some goodness and, like, that justice will be served through systems. And Ash is like, no. <laughs> That's Being not there, true. Doing that, it doesn't work. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they have a good, you know, they they work well together. They're, they they sometimes meet up and fight some bad guys together. And then they go off again to do their respective parts in this role where Ash, Ash mostly kills more people. 
And Max actually just like writes stories for Newsweek. <laughs> <laughs> and tells yeah, the larger but... public about this uh, big scandal that's going on. Yeah, I mean, Ajma like made fun of Max for believing that the pen is mightier than this war, but if you think about it, Ash is basically this war and Max is the pen and they work together to get results. Yeah, they work together, exactly. I mean, Ash is basically the pen and the sword, but he just, you know, is in a position with being the sword works more, more of the time. Yeah, Ash does some I mean, research. He goes to the library. He's a literary boy. He reads Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like you say, Ash is basically a superhero because he's not he's not only super strong and have a lot of, of skills, he's super smart as well. Like, he's unbelievably smart. He has an IQ of 200 and he's like, compared to Einstein, that's how smart the boy is. Yeah, he rants about math sometimes. And I'm like, are you saying words, Ash? All right, that's cool. <laughs> like, I believe you, Ash. <laughs> Anything that Ash says, I'm like, yeah, Ash is right. He's, I believe that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he has some worthy uh, foes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of mobsters trying to, to kill him. <laughs> yes, we should talk about, well, okay, we should talk about his ally, I guess, Shorter. Who who does die? Unfortunately, he gets banana fished. Can we make that into a verb? Is that like a thing? Yeah, that's that's a thing. Banana fished. He gets he has to take the drug. Actually, okay. Throughout that whole saga, so the there's a plot point where they're like Dino's people, uh, like Arthur, have have taken Ag and shorter. I guess they were in cahoots with the Lee clan because, yeah, they're all trying to kill Ash. That's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's banana fish. Everyone wants to kill Ash. That's banana yeah, fish. Every, that's that's <laughs> basically the <laughs> um, Because he knows too much and wants to stop banana fish. Uh, but yeah, so like, I thought I had read it all. I was like, oh no, like, AG's going to get banana fish and they're going to tell him to kill Ash. And then I was like... No, fool. They can never kill the main character. They never want to kill the main character. They want to torture the main character. So they banana fish <laughs> shorter to kill AG. Of course, duh. Have I not read anything? I'm so stupid. <laughs> but they actually wanted yeah, they actually wanted to do that. They wanted to give AG banana fish to kill Ash at some point. They just, you know, never got to that part. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, oh, our plans have gotten derailed. I mean, that would have made sense. It would, Yeah, it was like, that was the next step of the plan. First, it was, like, torture AG and Shorter. And then it was make one of them, like, kill Ash, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> then he would have yeah. suffered enough. The, yeah, the Shorter thing was so much. He was a genuinely nice guy. And he was literally cornered from all sides. And even in that position, he tried to do his best. He... I mean, he feel guilty for putting AG in a position where he was. By the way, that part was pretty messed up. They were gonna, they were gonna make AG one of um, Dino's toys. So yeah, that that that's a thing that happened. Yeah, and Shorter feels so bad, and he tries to protect him. That was, I mean, that was generally so messed up. I mean, I feel bad for Shorter too because he just wanted to do his best. Come on, he was a good friend. He was a good friend, and. So Shorter is part of the, like, Chinatown contingent. Like, the Chinatown has its own little uh, mafia gang going on because there's a lot about race in uh, Banana Fish. Yeah, the Chinese has, have their own structure. And Ash, I'm sorry, Shorter was the leader of the gang. 
that was around Chinatown, but they the answer to the Lee family, which is another mafia. Yeah, so many people. Also, I'm very sad that Shorter's mohawk got cut off after volume one. And I was like, no, Shorter, your hair was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good look. It was a good look. And then he had to be bald for like six volumes. <laughs> Honestly, we only we only do the mohawk for like two chapters. I know it wasn't very long, but it, it will always remain in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he had he had like a heart. Yeah, he, he had a he heart. Drew a, like on his, he drew yeah, a yeah, heart yeah. in his in his face. Yeah, yeah. I don't know it was cheesy, but it was a good look. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but yeah, so shorter, you know, is like Ash's loyal friend trying to bridge, because I, I feel like Ash is also a. I guess he's trying to bridge. Uh, the gap between the races, perhaps, uh, putting it nicely. Because uh, there's also a, like, African-American gang that they befriend and all these things. And uh, there's a lot of admiration for Ash across racial lines that happens. And uh, that doesn't stop people from trying to kill him. They kill his friends. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Look, look, banana fish is people want to kill Ash. People admire Ash, and people admire and want to kill Ash. That's yeah. banana fish. The whole thing. Oh my thing. gosh, that really is that banana fish. <laughs> 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 um, but yes, yeah, so shorter is like shorter is the thing I think that breaks Ash, though, right? Like his death is what breaks Ash because Ash has to kill him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Shorter was honestly one of the few people that Ash was actually close to. I mean, he was a genuine. I mean, he was such a close friend to Ash, and I mean. They force Ash to kill him, to put him out of the misery. Of course, that's going to mess him up. Yeah, I mean, so Shorter gets banana fished and uh, is ordered to kill A.G. And in the end, ends up begging for, like, Ash to take his life. And Ash is both like, well, there's no cure for this. And also, I don't want A.G. to die. So I guess I got to kill this guy. But then he has, he definitely has PTSD over that, like... You know, Ash killed a lot of people, but mostly what you see in his nightmares is shorter, uh, recurring and recurring. Like that's the one he doesn't want to kill his friends. Yeah, and he and he doesn't think about it that much. It it happens in a moment, in a second. Ash is a person that, yeah, that, you know, he just reacts that how he survives. And shorter himself begs Ash to kill him, to put him out of his misery. And then in that moment when he's about to kill Ag, Ash just reacts. You know. He doesn't think about it. And to top all of that, I mean, as if that wasn't messed up enough, he sees Shorter's body after that. You know, know. I'm I'm pretty sure he sees... You know, I don't even want to describe it. <laughs> yeah, he sees the, the body and he also sees his brain later. That's fun. <laughs> Traumatizing. But yeah, so I mean, you know, leading into one of the topics we had was like a lot of banana fish is you know in the way that we've described multiple characters are kind of foils for each other or they work well together but because they're like opposites and all these things and they like complement each other uh banana fish is a lot about different styles of leadership i would say and shorter's death is kind of what changes ash's style of leadership though uh because before killing shorter ash had been sort of a merciful <laughs> mobster like when people in his his gang betrayed him or or something bad happened, he would he would let them go. He'd be like, you know, if you come back, I'll murder you or whatever. But like, if you run away, it's fine. 
if I if I don't see you, we're cool. And then after murdering Shorter, he uh, very much becomes a person who's like, no, I I am going to now have I have to kill everybody because if they rat out their friends once, how ca- how can we ever trust them again? They're just gonna keep doing it. Like he he definitely loses some faith in in a lot of people in a lot of things. He loses even more faith in structures. He's just like, I, I have to literally burn it all to the ground. I gotta burn Dino's compound to the ground. I've gotta kill all all the people in the gang who decided to team up with Arthur and and betray me in the end. And uh, there's definitely a existential crisis of like, do, it, does that mean that Ash is is dead? Like, Ag's like, you you are not the Ash that I I knew you to be, and. Uh, Ash really wants to send him back to Japan for a while because he doesn't want Eiji to see how terrible he's become and all these things. And uh, so, you know, Ash used to be a merciful leader. And uh, yeah, do you have anything to... (laughs) I mean, what happens to Shorter definitely marks a difference. But I wouldn't say Ash's character changes. It's more like the circumstances change. And I mean, the the change is more in this, the kind of circumstances he's in. I mean, before Shorter, Ash was pretty much in the defense. He just react to things that happen. But after Shorter, he wants to he wants to take revenge. He wants to fight against Dino. He wants to take down the the people who were responsible for what happens to his friend. But I mean, I don't know if I will say that Ash changes much mm-hmm. because so. The Ash before Shorter was, I, I mean, I will say that he was in a position where when it was fine to let people go. But after that, he starts a war to end things with other. And he knows that if he lets people go, I mean, it, it kind of comes back to bite him later. And there's definitely a, uh, some point when he, when he loses himself, I think. So basically, he loses himself at some point, you know, in, in, in the middle of the war. I mean, he's doing what he feels he should be doing to win against those people. But then AG calls him out on it and he comes back to Earth, to put it in some way. You know, AG, that's one of the roles AG has, you know, in Ash's life. I mean, he kind of sets uh, Ash back straight when he's losing his way, you know, AG innocence and goodness is fundamental to Ash to to give his own his own goodness. Like even says Ash does have a good heart, but you know, sometimes it's kinda hard to remain a good guy in the, cir- the circumstances he lives. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what people are trying to defend about Ash is that they're like you know, like you have the cops who are like sympathetic to Ash and people are like, this is ridiculous. They're criminals and all these things. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Like Ash is like this because we've we've let him down. And if he wasn't in these circumstances, if we could just remove him from these circumstances, like he would be such a, a good boy <laughs> or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> uh, but the but the circumstances are what like make Ash, right? That's Ash is, yeah. Ash is just a person if he's not a person who wields guns and kills dozens of people at one time <laughs> <laughs> no but ash i mean he does show that he is a generally good person a good and caring person i mean you have moments with him but you can see that but then again you have he, he has his own his own trauma to deal with and his own you know circumstances i mean it's kind of hard to remain to remain a peaceful nice guy when 
everyone and their mothers are trying to kill you, you know? Yeah, and it's a lot of people trying to stake ownership over everybody else's life. Not just by, like, killing them, but, you know, just being like, Dino is like, I literally own you, Ash. I made you. You you owe me something. And Yasui, yes, is that what, how we, I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> but he, you know, goes to... Uh, oh man, how do I, I don't know how to pronounce Chinese names. It's really the problem. Uh, Sing, is that how how would we pronounce it in Chinese? I'm not sure. I just call him Sing as well. Okay, we're gonna go with Sing, and you know we could be wrong. <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like with Sing, he's like, oh, you know, I got you out of the circumstance. Like I made sure that the Lees didn't kill you for all this betrayal. And Sing repeatedly is like, no, I don't owe you anything. Like. You just because you like you saved me once doesn't mean you own the rest of my life and all these things. And so it's just a lot of ass trying to be like trying to stake ownership over <laughs> his own circumstances and himself. <laughs> and that's the thing too. It's not that just people want to kill Ash. People want to own Ash. Vino literally literally wants to own him. He doesn't he doesn't see Ash as a person. He describes him he describes Ash as a creature to be owned, to be tamed, as something that he built, you know, and he's not the only one. Yao Xi also expects Ash to be like a certain way and you know it, it Ash just has to deal with all with all sorts of mess at people, you know, and you kind of wonder how he how he keeps himself sane in the first place, you know? Oh, well, I'm not... I mean, yeah, I guess there's a whole plot of, like, them being like, Ash is medically insane, so we're going to go take him to this mental facility and uh, have him do all these psychiatric tests and all these things. And they're like, Ash isn't insane. That's crazy. You're crazy if you think Ash is insane. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, Ash is perfectly normal. and But yeah, I'm like, like, is he? I mean, he's not oh, insane, is, is but he he's, he's definitely got some trauma problems I mean, he, he definitely needs a tons of therapy. <laughs> yeah, he definitely needs some therapy. Um, yeah, I, I love that Chinese man. He, like, definitely hates Ash so much. He's just like, I look at you. And your, your like, nice bad guy look just pisses me off so much. And, like, all these things. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, Ash is a good leader because... See, what makes Ash a good leader is not that... he He's very good at, at knowing people. Like, he's like, well, this person is going to do this in this situation. And therefore, he can prepare himself for it. And I think that's... You know, he could use that quality to be super manipulative and all these things. But I don't think Ash wants to own anything, right? He's just like, I want to I want to free everybody from these stupid global drug people's constraints and these gangs and everything. So he uses it to just, uh, he's just like, well, you fell into my trap and now... I didn't want to take your life, but you have forced me to. <laughs> this circumstance has forced me to take you, uh, and all these things. Oh, poor Ash. Yeah, Ash. Ash is pretty good at reading people and situations, and literally all he wants is be free, and he doesn't want anyone to get her. You know, 
He's a good boy. <laughs> He's a good boy who, you know, he became a good boy by seeing the worst of everything. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of remarkable that Ash is able to, I don't know, keep a good heart despite everything because he generally still cares about people and he still wants to care. That's one of the reasons he's so drawn to AG, to AG's goodness. He wants, I mean, he he wants to feel that way too. That's a good point. It's not, yeah, he like never gives up on the wanting. So that's what keeps him going through all this crazy nonsense. <laughs> like just thinking about the things he did, like early on, he was like on top of a truck and he shoots Dino and then he's wounded and they like jump in the Hudson River and swim away. And I'm like, your wounds didn't get infected? That seems insane. But all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just like, then there's the whole like train fight with Arthur and he like murders a whole train full of thugs. I'm like, oh my God, this boy, how? <laughs> he is a superhero. No. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> the action the action in Banana Fish, it's so insanely over the top, but it's so good. It's so entertaining. <laughs> oh my god, no. Yeah, that fight with Arthur and like when they meet underground and like Sing and Kane are there and they're both like, Alright, we're gonna we're gonna just witness this fight and you're gonna fight on even terms and then the, the train comes and I'm like, Are you serious? Is this serious <laughs> <laughs> they like got the the transit they like hacked into the transit authority of New York to send a train through this tunnel and shoot them all up and they still survive that's crazy <laughs> and he's he still wins you know he still wins I know and that's why it's crazy <laughs> you can literally but literally throw anything at Ash and he would still survive you know he would still survive. He was. He would find a way. Yeah, he's like, you don't. You don't own me. <laughs> you can. You, you know, I will fight you until the end. We'll see who owns who here. Like, oh, God. <laughs> I owned you <laughs> to your death. Like, oh, oh, Ash, so good. I just love that. Also, in that scene, you know, all the gangs like follow the train, and the police still can't do anything. They're like, I don't know, these all these cars are going real fast following a train, and all we can do is follow and <laughs> whatever. Um, I guess the only yeah. other we haven't really talked about Dino as like a person. I don't. He's not like that compelling to me. But do do you think he's super compelling? I hate him. That's all I can say about him. I hate him every what? time. He, every time I every time I see a panel of Dino, I wish the paper could feel pain so I could punch him. You know, that's all I feel about <laughs> Dino. That's all I feel about him. I hate him. But I mean, I suppose one thing I can say about him as an antagonist is that he does feel like a real threat to us. He yeah, is. I mean, he's a powerful dude. Yeah, he's powerful and he's generally smart and he never underestimates Ash and we know what happens to people that underestimate Ash. Um, <laughs> he's he's a, a very legitimate threat to Ash. So, yeah, as he's, I suppose he's good as an antagonist, but, you know, he's a terrible, terrible person. I hope he dies soon, but I know it won't happen because he's the main villain, I mean, the main antagonist. So, yeah, that. Being yeah. banana fish is constantly wishing Ash would just be happy and free and constantly wishing Dino would just go to hell already. 
Yeah, it's a shame he wasn't in the mansion when Asha blew it all to smithereens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dino just yeah. seems like, you know, if if everybody else seems like a compelling a bad guy in that you're like, okay, I, I see where you're coming from and I don't just like agree with all your methods and all these things, but like I understand your pain and I see why you want to do something drastic to to correct it. Dino just seems like he's just he's just a bad dude. He he's into human trafficking of young boys as sex slaves. And I'm like, I don't know that there's a crime that's that's like worse than that. Like that's a pretty big <laughs> bad crime. Yeah, I mean, you don't really want a pedophile to be compelling. Like it's fine not to relate to Dino. That's actually good. <laughs> Yeah, it's just that he's like, he's just very much uh, a stereotypical, uh, very bad villain. I'm like, eh, okay, I guess they exist, but fine. Uh, where, you know, it's kind of confusing why people would, would I, it always confuses me for pure evil characters, like why people follow them. Like, okay, I guess they're all just weird evil. They're all evil. Yeah, they're I all mean, just evil. I mean, look, look at the art. Look at the characters and tell me that you don't automatically know when someone is evil. Oh, you definitely look at the, do. Uh, look, at, look at the expression. Like, they're just pure evil. They have the pure evil look. Like, you literally look at them for two seconds and you're like, ah, so you're Dino's man. You know? Yeah, they got that, like, smirk thing going on. Yeah. The, the creepy yeah. eyes. <laughs> and all these things. But, uh... Yeah, I guess the other two big, like, thematic things that we've mentioned briefly, but that I wanted to bring up were, you know, so Banana Fish is very unique in the, at least from my perspective. I don't know. I'm a shoujo noob. What do I know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a story that's set in America, written by a Japanese author in the, the 1980s, and it has a lot of different uh, races portrayed and everything and I was like this actually like I never I mean there's a lot of, again we've discussed there's a lot of over the topness and stuff but there is never a moment where I thought that it didn't feel like Yoshida like really understood America and its psyche and the the the, the myths about you know gun culture and all these things and the the fears that plague us normally that that continue to plague us and like the greatness of us being a quote unquote melting pot. I will not endorse or deny that currently, but you know, uh, Mm. you know, just America having a lot of, a lot of different races and all these things. And I thought it was like, I was like, you know, it's, it's like a really, it's like a fairly respectful representation of America. And I was really, what really hit home for me was the moment where I guess AG and Ash are going somewhere in New York City, like just being a little touristy or something. And Ash is like, you know, AG, like you're not seeing you're not seeing quote unquote real America. Again, another thing that comes up very frequently in 2018 of like the coasts aren't real America. Cities aren't real America. But Ash is like, you've only seen New York City and Los Angeles and that's like most of America isn't a big city. Most of America is like rural, middle of nowhere nothingness uh, where people live in these very tiny communities. And I was like, wow, 
it's just felt so strange to be in a in a manga and it felt so real to me <laughs> um yeah, and then you're like, oh, so it's a Stephen King, uh, Stephen King novel. Oh, yeah, that's and what that feels Stephen true King too. <laughs> And that feels true too because, I mean, it's pretty normal for foreigners to just, you know, go to the mo- to refer to movies or something to have a reference to what real America is and, and, so, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to, like, say that this is a perfect representation because uh, you, you definitely... Uh, you know, the way that black people were drawn uh, in the 80s, uh, maybe not the best. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can never look past the way pe- black people are drawn. It's just so in your face. They're pretty much racist caricatures, you know, with the big wide mouth and the very unflattering shouting. And it's so frustrating because when you look at the art, Yoshida has like five different styles of shading and she chooses the worst to color the (laughs) the black people's skin. Mm. Like, it's like, how can I make them look worse? And she she goes even beyond that to make them look even worse. It's it's just so jarring to look at them because the rest of the characters look pretty good. Yeah, and there's a lot of, you know, they're all like... Black people have a lot of different skin tones. That's definitely not represented in this at all. Like, mm. not at all. No. Uh, and I mean, I, I get that it's, you know, a shorthand. Like, everybody who is, I think, you know, supposed to be a white American in this uh, never has their hair colored in at all. Like, you, you kind of default that they're all blonde or something weird. And then, uh yeah. Yeah, so all all the black people are like super super dark, and then all the all the Chinese gang and and AG and eBay being Japanese, they all have like dark hair and and all these things. And I'm like, I get it. You're trying to tell me who who's in the what race, but uh, like uh, it could be better. Yeah, and I have no way to confirm this, but you know, I get the feeling that. White people who are drawn with the big mouth are supposed to be Latinos. Mm. I don't know because I know one dude with the big mouth was like, was like, my wife is Maria, and I don't know, in some racist joke that they have in the oh, jail. Yeah. So that, mm. so that made me, that kind of made me think, wait, so are these people supposed to be Latinos or what? Yeah, I mean, that would, I think that would make sense. It's not. There's no, like, Latino gang that's happening. <laughs> At least not yet. That I don't know what happens in the last eight volumes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's one of the, that's actually one of the bad parts of Banana Fish. I mean, you have Skipper that gets rich in, like, the second chapter, the third chapter, I think. Ah, uh, yes, and Skipper was a little black boy that was, like, Ash's right hand, like, task person that he had going on. Yeah, and he gets immediately killed. And the worst part is that when he gets killed, the framing focuses exclusively on Ash's reaction. And it's like, okay, so Skid wasn't a person. I get it. I get it. And then there are mentions of Latino gangs and of Mexicans. But I, I think you didn't notice this. And I don't blame you because I didn't notice the first time I read it. I read the manga either. But there are mentions of Latino gangs. And we only ever see them when they're getting killed. Oh. And then we see the pictures of their bodies. Oh. In the NYPD. You know the that scene when Ash when Ash is killing 
and uh, a bunch of boys and there's a sniper from the from the roof that tries oh, to yeah, get yeah, him yeah. and uh, shoots him. Those are the Latinos, yeah. Ah, right. I was like, I feel like they were there, but are like so insignificant. I couldn't remember their their defining features. But yeah, so I mean, uh, art uses stereotypes to convey race because, yeah, <laughs> it, it wants to have a shorthand. And uh, I, I think you had mentioned in some of your write-ups that uh, Yoshida is perhaps very same-facey. So uh, <laughs> a lot of times with characters, yeah. Yeah, look, the best example I can think of is there was a time when I look at Jessica. And you thought it was Jennifer? And, and I, <laughs> no, I thought it was Ash. Oh, and that's like, even what, better. Ash, what happened to your hair, Ash? And then I look at it again and oh, no way, that's Jessica. Oh, that's how same phases you can get. Yeah, I mean, I had to reread the very beginning that's like in the Vietnam War. I read that several times because I couldn't keep like Griffin and... Max straight. I was like, wait, who, which one is doing what? Okay, this one has a cigarette. <laughs> like, let's pay attention to that. And, uh, but otherwise, I was like, aren't they the same? No, okay, they're not. Um. <laughs> no, and the funniest part is that Yoshi is supposed to look similar to Eiji, but he doesn't really because there's a scene when, when Shorter first look at him and he's like, what? Eiji, he looks like you. And I was like, what? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Shorter, do you need glasses? Shorter, what happened? What ha what's happening to you? <laughs> uh, Shorter is very distinctive because it cuts off his mohawk and it's very sad. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And yeah, he he's constantly wearing sunglasses. So he doesn't, you know, I mean, he doesn't actually... Mm. We we barely don't. I mean, we don't know how he looks. That's true. I don't. We just see his. We see glasses. his eyes like very infrequently. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't even know how Shuri looks actually. We just know that he's either bald or he has a, a mohawk. That's that. Those are the defining features. Those are definitely his defining features. Uh, but yeah, I mean, generally, I was like, okay, I I appreciate that. Like the NYPD is shown to be. Uh, diverse. I'm. I am here for this. Gangs are divided by race, but also, you know, they don't outright always hate each other. Like I'm. I'm here for that. Uh, that feels. That feels nice and realistic to me. <laughs> uh, but it's there's definitely racist uh, jokes that I'm like, okay, that might, that might have been too far. <laughs> yeah, Banana Fish definitely has racism. Like I mentioned. Like I mentioned, the only time we only truly see Latinos are with they're getting killed. And I know this is, I mean, this is not just my experience. I have had people tell me that it feels triggering that the only times they see Hispanic people, it's when they're dead, you know. And That makes sense. Yeah, and you have all the, the slurs. You have Black people looking like caricatures, basically. So... Well, it gets some things right. It has a lot of nice international relationships. You have you have Max and Eve. You have Ash and Eiji, Nadia and Charlie. It's not free from a lot of racism and racist stereotypes. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of good and a lot of bad. And I think that's that's actually how I think of most shoujo manga, to be honest, is like you have the really empowering moments where like, yes, you got it perfectly. You got like my empowerment perfectly. And then like next page, you'll be like, why did you get this so wrong though? Like, why is this so bad? 
So shoujo manga, it has it has the best and worst of everything in it. Each story, that's how I feel. Yeah, basically. And then the last good and bad thing is, you know, the we we touched on the abuse and how it is good that it always condemns it earlier. Uh, I think the queerness that is present. I think that that is also positive in and of itself. The conflation of queerness with abuse, like a lot of the queer characters in this are the ones who perpetuate the abuse because they're creepy pedophiles. Uh, that's where it starts to to break down and be less good <laughs> because, uh, again, that's the probably one of the very 80s parts of it is, you know, in the 80s, there's AIDS and a lot of LGBTQ hate there. And that's not, you know, gay gay people are not inherently pedophiles. That's the conclusion, I must say there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty complicated because that's such a loaded truth because it's a prejudice that still exists today. And you get a character like Marvin that's specifically described as being gay by Shorter and by Skipper instead of, you know, calling him for what it is, which is a pedophile. Yeah. And that never happens again, but once is bad enough and it sets a precedent. So every time you get another pedophile, you it I can't blame you if that comes to mind again, you know, and yeah, you have the positive, which is Ash and AG, but that's but that, the, the yeah. thing is that that um, that's more subtle in comparison to that. Yeah, because Ash and AG aren't able, like they will at least so far. There's no like super overt sexualness to it, so there's no positive, uh, sexy times, right? Really, but I mean, even though we're only shown you know, Marvin being creepy, I would say there's a there's a severe lack of presence of women in this manga and all we are told about Dino is that he's like into little boys and all the people who come to his restaurant supposedly are also into little boys and so like that's weird and creepy and everybody who comes to his restaurant that we know of is male so there's a lot of completion there yeah pretty much and I mean on one hand it makes sense because well as he's a victim of of human trafficking and he was literally bought by a predator and of course he's not gonna be in an environment in a safe environment i mean it, it makes sense that all these predators are together linked in the same environment but it's such a loaded such a loaded trope to you know relate queerness with abuse and pedophilia and you know while it doesn't so far, it hasn't used, it hasn't described them as gay again. It's upsetting to to see that and not see um, any sort of alternative present. Yeah, that's that's why it's like uh, Ash and Ag being the the only example of a somewhat positive thing is like, all right, that's that's not enough. That's that's no good. This is where it really breaks down. <laughs> and what makes thing is even more complicated is that banana fish definitely has internalized and weaponized homophobia like you you hear the f word i mean you read the f word a lot as himself was that is this the f word you know yeah they use it a lot by the end, supposed, too i was like ah i mean 
maybe he doesn't use it in the original version, but still, it's not like Ash has the best image of Burness thanks to his abuse. I mean, you have a part with AG when he's like, uh, when he's telling AG, you know what, I don't want to send you to Japan anymore. I want you to stay with me. And he rarely, I mean, Ash is not exactly a sweet person, <laughs> you know, and AG, and AG is like, what? Say that again. I want to hear that oh, again. Yeah. And, and Ash is like, where are you? Are you gay or something? You know, and it's, it's jarring because, you know, he, I mean, you know that they clearly, I mean, you know, he clearly and have feel, has feelings for AG. You know, he loves the boy, but I mean, he separates that from queerness itself. It, Ash himself has to deal with tons of internalized homophobia. And like you say, they're not sexy times with Ash and AG. It's a strong friendship that has romantic undertones, but it's pretty much a sexual is it a sexual relationship just far? And it makes sense because it gives Ash safety. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, he definitely needs to divorce that in his mind. The only, like, somewhat sexy time that comes to my mind is there is that moment when they, they're, like, hiding out initially with the, the, like, three gang members who were like, we stuck by you, boss, after they, like, blow up the compound or whatever and bust them out. And Ash is in the bath and you get to see his butt. And I was like, oh, scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> and AG like walks in on that. And I was like, Ash, you're purposely showing AG your butt. Don't lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely tension and longing between them, but they don't go beyond that. And, you know, around that part, there's actually a good example of that, you know, when... And when AG is having this internal debate of who is the real Ash, the Ash who is a killer or the Ash who um, gets angry because you tease him with pumpkins, like who's the real Ash, you know, he's having this. Oh, yeah, that whole pumpkin story was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's having this mental debate and there's a part when he's in stars starring at Ash and he's like what what what's happening right and AJ says something like even your your eyelashes are pretty blonde and Ash starts joking saying uh one do you want to look the hair down there oh, yeah. and <laughs> and the fact that he even jokes about something like that says a lot of how safe and comfortable AJ makes him feel you know, and AG plays alone. He's like, okay, I want to see you, right? And Ash is like, what? And, no. <laughs> yeah, and Ash's reaction is, I mean, this is framed as something comedy. We see a, a TV Ash. He's like, yikes, what? And in the next panel, we see that the boys that are, both boys are embarrassed and flustered. And Ash is, but Ash is like, what? Get away from me, pervert. And it goes to show, I mean, it shows how Ash, as much as, Ash trust AG as as comfortable as he is. There are certain lies that he's not ready to cross. Ash is the one that started to make the joke. Ash is the one that I mean, Ash is the one that made the joke. But when AG, as soon as AG play alone, he's like, "What? No, too much. Stop. Back up." You know, <laughs> that's true. It's the one thing that Ash can't finish is the the jokes that he starts that are sexual, and then he's like, "No, wait, I didn't mean for it to go here." <laughs> 
That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to think of other like Ash AG moments. They have a lot, by the way. It's it's so sweet. Oh, I guess I wanted to bring up that you mentioned that it's like played for comedic comedic effect. And that was definitely one of the things that I found somewhat jarring reading the manga is that was that, you know, there's so much heavy stuff in here, but then there's a lot of comedy, but then at times it feels somewhat like uh, it, it breaks the world a little for me or like it would be like, this seems a little too jokey for me <laughs> at this at this moment in time after you've uh, blown up a lot of people <laughs> and uh, all these things. Like there's just such a, a tone shift, I think, for that sequence of events where they're like hiding out initially and getting Japanese food and having their whole like we stuck our fingers up at each other like don't don't chop off your finger Japanese klutz or whatever you know those those types of things I was like I appreciate this humor but it seems like a little oddly placed here that's fine yeah I mean you can't be serious all the time you're gonna die you're gonna have a mental breakdown like that <laughs> you gotta take a moment and you know it honestly it feels realistic to me that they will try when they're together that they will try to joke around things even when maybe they shouldn't be you know yeah I mean unless they're immediately getting threatened I mean I mean I mean if there's not immediate danger they will like try to relax otherwise you know they will have mental breakdowns or something <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't I don't blame them for joking around. It's just like reading it, I was like, all right, this is a little jarring for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's understandable, yeah. Yeah, so uh those were all the like thematic things that we had written down. I'm sure that some of them will reprise or new ones will come up when we cover the second forty-two percent of the series, but uh so I wanted to just go a little over, you know, art corner. Uh, we mentioned same faciness, but uh, I think there's a lot more going on with the art and sometimes not a lot more going on with the art and uh, how you feel about the art in general. And, uh, you know, I think it ruined me. I mean, I have different opinions depending on which volume you're talking about because Yoshida's style changed a lot. Yeah. She has like, she has like three major shifts first you have the roundy extremely 80 looking characters they are all bulky and round and round and they have big eyes and rounder rounder noses and then she starts i don't know refining their art the, the characters started to be more slender mm -hmm. yeah and and that lasts a lot longer but then everyone starts to be too big too sharp we haven't reached that far yet but that's that my less favorite okay part. so like this middle part is good is the best <laughs> yeah um um yeah i like the, the middle part the best the, the last few volumes yes that's when everyone looks the same everyone has this the same the same hairstyle everyone has the same body type you know it is it, it goes beyond safe face at that point but I think the first and the second style are, I don't know, they grew on me. Yeah. And the background, yeah, the backgrounds are not necessarily the best. I mean, they're pretty standard, but the graffitis are somewhat charming to me. Yeah, because there are times, okay, I'm going to stick with graffiti. Graffiti is good. Uh, there's certainly a lot of graffiti in a way that I'm like, 
know, is the New York subway really just like covered in graffiti? Like, I don't know, maybe. I don't, I wasn't alive in the <laughs> 80s. What do I know? But uh, it seemed a little extreme at times. But it was definitely fun to read the little messages that you get, like uh, the Western Ways one. And I was like, oh, oh, man. All right. It's also just very stylized. And I think, you know, Yoshida actually, for me, the strongest art was always in sequences where there was no dialogue. She has a lot of pages where, you know, you get a lot of text dumps throughout this. Don't get me wrong. You get a lot of text dumps about like the chemical compounds of banana fish and like historical background on the Vietnam War and all these things. But then there are just pages where she has no dialogue and it's just characters like staring at something or, or walking away from something or a train passing by and I'm like, no, those, those are the best moments, the quiet moments uh, amongst all the chaos. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think some of my favorite panels are the action, the action panels as well. Like with, you know, the first time Ash and Singh face off, mm. there's a panel where, I don't know if you remember, before they and anything happens, there's a panel where Ash is staring down at Singh and we only see Ash's legs. And between Ash's legs, we see Singh and he looks so small in that part. And with that framing, mm. before anyone does anything, you already know that Singh is no match for Ash. He's insignificant comparing to Ash. You already know he's going to lose. And when they start to fight, it, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, so I think that Yoshida is like really good at those framing types of things. Uh, even if backgrounds aren't as strong, like whatever, it's fine. <laughs> Same faciness, but I can I can tolerate that. <laughs> yeah, and in the mansion art, you also have the, those panels with Ash and Eiji. You know, you know that that panel when they're in this, you know, when the Ash and Eiji are on their stairs and Ash shoots one dude between the eyes, and I swear. I don't know how, but I swear that that scene is in, in slow-mo. I don't know how it's a drawing, but it's in slow-mo. Oh, yeah. There were definitely moments where I was like, I feel the cinematic slow motion or whatever of this. Like, it's it's been brought to life in the span of four panels. And I don't know how because I'm not an artist, but good job, <laughs> Yoshida. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the only other thing in Art Corner that I... Since it, this... Manga definitely goes through it, the phase of, like, Yoshida doesn't really know what she wants, I guess, the characters to look like in the beginning. So there's a little bit of a... Uh, Ash's look really changes throughout the the manga. Uh, so I wanted to get your take on different Ash Link's looks. I actually am very fond of initial Ash that looks like a... I think I would describe him in a tweet as a schlubby high school quarterback for like a football team like that's what he looked like to me you mentioned he was like chunkier and stuff I was like yeah and then by volume four he like looks totally different I'm like how did my brain accept this like what where was the I don't know where the dividing line was but yeah that's Ash sure why not (laughs) you know I, I gotta give some credit to Yoshida because she at least tried to I don't know give us some plot reasons for the change because I don't know if you noticed, but the first big, I mean, I mean, the shift starts uh, in the mansion arc when Ash gets that haircut. Yeah, I did. I was like, I see what you did here, but like, mm, like 
don't change that <laughs> yeah. much from that, I mean, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget the name, but originally Ash was based on a tennis player. And then, I don't know, I suppose that tennis players aren't, uh, you know, just aren't very fascinated for main character. So she switched to River Phoenix. Mm. Yeah, and Ash is extremely River Phoenix. Like, you can find, you can literally find panels that are basically redrawns of River Phoenix poses and expressions. Oh, nice. But I think we should yeah. agree that Ash dressing up as a nurse is best best version of Ash. <laughs> <laughs> nurse Barbara. Nurse yeah, Barbara. That's, that's definitely <laughs> that's such a powerful Ash. I agree. <laughs> and by the way, for the anime. They, you know, there are a lot of art style changes throughout the manga. And for the anime, they pick volume 9, 10, and 11 to base the character redesigns. Mm. And I get the feeling they did that. I mean, they say that because it's supposedly that's where the art style stabilized or whatever. But I, I swear they did that because that's where Ash looks the most, you know, the most most refined. He looks extremely pretty. Yeah. Like, that's where Ash looks. Yeah, and um, also that's what there's Barbara is, so suppose that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, what's, that that's what factors into it. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ash wearing his dumb earring that's worth $300,000. That was a good look. He should he have kept that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good look. Oh, yeah. There were times where I would get lost in Ash's eyes. Like, I'm not saying that they're very elaborate because they're not. But if you stare at them deeply at any time, you're like, his eyes are so snake-like. Like, they're so killer. Yeah, Ash, Ash, is, Ash, <laughs> Ash is really, I mean, he's generally mesmerizing. You know, even if, he, you know, there's not much. There are still, it's not particularly elaborate, but he, the look in his eyes are very striking. Yeah, no, I think it's more powerful that she's like, I don't need to be elaborate to have you have elaborate feelings. What's up? <laughs> like, all I need is this simple <laughs> art and you feel lots of things. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you got me. Like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ash has some very good close-ups too. You know, when Ash is drawn with an all-black background, mm. yeah, he's very enticing in that in those scenes. Yeah, lots of black and white usage even though clearly more i mean yeah morals are pretty gray i guess but uh i think everybody thinks of them in, in black and white in the manga itself like they're all like well this is good and this is bad and i'm gonna I'm live my life like that <laughs> you know um but i guess we should move on to some audience questions which i think we've answered some of them i'm gonna read them but it, we might have answered already answered them so we won't we won't answer them again but I want to I want to acknowledge my listeners because I love them. But yeah, so first one comes from Instagram and it had a lot. Again, I think we talked about most of them, but it was from Blog Mangoes, which is a great handle. And you know, they're like, what can you talk about? This series has drugs, gangs, rape, war, corrupted politicians, child pornography. Ah, I know it's got a lot going on. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I have to say about all that. Um, so they say if you can dedicate some time digging into certain characters, that would be amazing. I think we did that. <laughs> um, some possible topics to discuss. Comparison of leadership queen between gangs, overcoming abuse, relationships, 
telling the difference between a healthy and abusive relationship. Thoughts and or comparisons between the anime and manga. Yeah, so I think we've touched a little bit on all of those things, or more than a little bit. But uh, I think this is the space lots of people want to know about changes from anime to manga. So, and I have not watched it, but I know that you are. So do you want to elaborate on some more of the changes, likes and dislikes so far? Only like three episodes of the anime have come out so far? Four maybe? I don't know. Yeah, just three. Yeah, the biggest change is the look. It's very, it's different, it's uh, extremely different in some ways, and in others, it's just, it's pretty similar to the manga. It's a modernized look, but to me, it still has some 80s vibes. And yeah, that's pretty much the biggest change because so far, the story is pretty faithful to the manga. I mean, they have, they leave out some outdated stuff. You don't have racist jokes or some extremely dated lines. And one of the, the things that I like I like the most is how people of color look in the anime. Mm. You have literally all shades of skin and hair tone for all races. Not just for black people, but literally for all races. They all look so good. Oh, that's good. That's definitely a good update to have. Um, I guess what I, I'm trying to think of what I've heard about anime to manga. So... Do you have any thoughts on the pacing? Because I believe I've seen people say that at least for the first two episodes, I, I saw people complain that they thought it was a little bit too too fast for them. Do you do you agree or, or no? I don't know. I see where that's coming from. But to me, it's, this is extremely banana fish. You know, a lot of things happen, happen all the time. You know, to me, the pacing... I mean, it's not too fast for me, but then again, I'm already pretty familiar with the story, so it's not like I have to follow new things with the anime. So, yeah, I'm probably not the best person <laughs> to access. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I mean, you know, to me, reading that and now having read the first 11 volumes of the manga, I'm like, I don't know, the, the pacing of this manga seems frenetic in and of itself most of the time. So, like... How can the anime, I mean, really be too fast? I don't know. But yeah, so like at Zawa113CJ on Twitter had also asked like, what changes from the manga do you like most so far? Least, oh, do you have a least favorite change from the manga to anime? I think I already say my my favorite changes. And I think my least favorite change is with a particular scene with Ash. You know, when he gets gun raped. When, when he's with jail, in jail, yes, and there's and there's a scene after that where where Max is concerned, and the doctor is like, "Of course he's not okay, mm-hmm. right?" And the anime made changes that you know I think I understand why they made them, but it felt like the it didn't have enough weight. And mm-hmm. to me, one of the best things of Banana Fish is that even if it throws all sort of mess up things at you and it always finds a way to give them weight to make them feel real to make you understand that these things have real consequences for these characters mm-hmm. and I mean Ash himself struggled with a lot of PTSD and the abuse he went through I mean even if he has moments when he acts like he is extremely strong he you know he breaks down you know you know it has an effect on him you know and 
in the anime. I know it's just one scene so far, but you know you don't get the the sense that I mean it could have done it could have been done better. That's fair. I'm sure we will check in again on anime to manga comparisons in the second episode, in which at least a few more episodes will have come out. So perhaps that will be more that will be more informative. But uh, yeah. So at Saucy Dames on Twitter asks, IDK, how long y'all have been in the game? But what was the old time Banana Fish fandom scene like? Because so far, I've only found one decent fan site, and it's in French. Uh, also, the translation of the anime slash manga slash and localization, etc. Your thoughts? Who do you want dubbing? That's a lot of series of questions. Okay, so I think we've established that neither of us has been in the Banana Fish fan scene for terribly long, but perhaps you know of more fan sites? Because my impression is that Banana Fish, when released back in the day in English, was, you know, not the not the biggest hit <laughs> that Viz has ever seen. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me if there was not a strong contingent. I mean, there was, there was probably a contingent of fans I don't know where they would have hang- hung out because I think that there wouldn't have been a lot of them. Yeah, I I'm not sure about that. I'm I don't I honestly don't know much about that. What I have heard, what I have read, is that supposedly when Banana Fish came out in the eighties, it supposedly was huge in Japan, and yeah, and the Ash was a pretty popular character, and I know that there were a lot of the Gingis of Fashion AG back in the 90s. Mm. In, yeah, and I personally discovered Banana Fish in a forum. I always went mm. to the shoujo section and there were a series of manga that everyone, and I mean literally everyone, recommend. And those were Please Say My Error, Vasara, um, Mars, Banana Fish, Glass Mask, and you know, if you were in forums, you, you were going to hear about Banana Fish. And basically, what everyone say about it is that this is super good, but it's super dark. The protagonist is a victim of child abuse. And it's super gay, but it's it's actually low-key. No, it's actually... Yeah, they actually say that it's super gay. It's, and that there was a Japanese journalist, and that's supposed to be Eiji. And he's not a journalist, actually. Yeah, that's... Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and there's mafia and there's drugs, you know, that's basically what you hear every about banana fish and a lot. Um yep, that's pretty much all I can say about it. Um I haven't really participated participated in any fandom until now. The anime has basically there's a banana fish fandom in 2018. Can you believe that? I know. I was about to say, I feel like it's going to get better now because the anime will bring it to more people. And again, Viz has chosen to reprint it. So lots of people are clamoring for it. And it definitely seems like the type of series that once you do know about it and you've heard the hype from the few fans, like I think it's going to spread. I think it's going to be a big thing, <laughs> hopefully, because it's a really good manga. It's very compelling, uh, despite all its problems. Like, it is super mm. fun to read. I don't know if fun is the right word. You definitely feel like you <laughs> want to keep reading it because you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? You know, sort of deal. <laughs> like, how can it get any crazier than this? How does Ash escape? I don't know. 
Yeah, banana fish is is extremely problematic, but it's also extremely compelling. And you have those parts when you know when something is funny, but it's also extremely sad, and you laugh, but you also are dead inside at the yeah. same time. <laughs> you get a lot. You get a lot of that with Ash, you know. And like in the resin art, you know, the the art from Volume Ten when he's at the mental facility. Mm. And and he sees that song, and oh it's yeah, so and, it, and it's and it's a good scene, and it's hilarious. But then you're thinking, how does Ash know that song? Where did he learn that? With what? Oh yeah, well did that's he learn that? and uh, it gets disturbing real fast. That's definitely him weaponizing all the the terrible things that he has endured over his lifetime. Um, so yeah, so I guess I'm hoping that the banana fish fandom blows up. I think it already is. I think once people start getting their Viz reprints and uh, more of the anime comes out, it will be a, a big deal. <laughs> That'll be fun. I think I think it's already starting to be a big deal. I mean, this is gonna sound like humble brag, and I, I'm sorry, I apologize, but when I tweet about banana fish, say last year. I barely got any response, but nowadays I got. I can get into Twitter, the Twitter right now, and tweet banana fish. I want that. That's it. And I'm gonna get over a hundred likes, and it's crazy every time. But a new episode comes up of the anime, and you get and you tweet about pictures or whatever. My notifications explode. There's so many people asking what's this or liking or or I don't know. It's so crazy. I have never, I have never had so many interaction on Twitter. You know, it definitely blows up. And I know I have mutuals that are also going through the same. Yeah, no, I would say that uh, you are. I would definitely point to your Twitter as living proof that banana fish <laughs> fandom is alive and well and surging <laughs> in the North America. And uh, and yeah, I think it was very big in Japan. I just question whether it was ever big in America until now. I think it's it's going to blow up in America. It's already blown up. <laughs> Marion is leading the charge. Yeah. <laughs> Fandom. Yeah. And and the, the third episode had the kiss, the Yale kiss scene. Oh, yeah. So bad. Everyone was all over that. I think, that's, I think that this is the episode with, where Banana Fish really blew up. I mean, I saw, uh, you know, that that scene in GIF form and I was like, that is a very elaborate kiss. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I really I'm really enjoying the anime interpretation of Ash and Aiji, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's it's so good. It's so good. Like you can feel that the director Utsumi is a big fan of them. You can feel the passion she has for the story and for them in particular. And yeah, it's I'm really enjoying that part. It's it's funny, but it's also like, please don't come into this story expecting wholesome gay kisses and stuff. You you you're gonna regret that <laughs> a lot. Banana fish is not like that. This is not representative oh, yeah. of the banana fish mm. experience. People, please. There's a lot of pain here. We all want to die while we read Banana Fish. I mean, we are very entertained, but we also want to die. So please don't get fooled don't by get this. Fooled by th- Beware, new <laughs> newbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of heavy content. All right. Well, last listener question that we got was from at Crusher Jones on Twitter. And it was just, how awful was it when they switched the 
the volume colors of the Viz version from the awesome severe black and white to, quote, post-Taco Bell brown. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I definitely had a mixture of both versions. Uh, so they definitely use the severe black and yellow for the flipped versions. Uh, and then the un- unflipped ones are like a weird brown yellow that's i would say that neither of them probably looks very good on your shelf (laughs) might look a little (laughs) jarring but uh yeah definitely the post taco bell brown is less appealing to me i don't how do i know that you no yeah i absolutely agree i mean i like how we'll at least try it to keep the banana fish signature color palette which is the the black and yellow and they at least use some color with illustrations in the the cover i mean if i have to choose between looking at the pool version and at whatever they're trying to do in the 2004 version i will definitely choose the pool version yeah and i know that you had written in one of your articles that you know that color palette is very significant to the story because those colors represent like poisonous creatures and and all those things which is definitely relevant to the uh effects that the drug have and uh the ideology of certain people and stuff yeah it's it's pretty representative of banana fish because i mean basically you find dangerous creatures in nature that have that that have those colors and they might not kill you but they will definitely incapacitate Mm. you that's why when we look at those color palettes, they give you an impression of danger. They give you, they, they cause you anxiety. And it's also pretty good color palette to indicate obsession. And obsession is definitely mm-hmm. big in banana fish. And banana fish is all about obsession and it's a poisonous word. So it, yeah, it's pretty representative of it. All right. So now we're just going to, we're going to name our favorite now that we're done with the questions, we're going to name our favorite Ash and AG moments. This is in lieu of normal shipping corner. We will do a shipping corner in the second episode when we've, when all the ships are game and all the, all the moments are game. We know, we know what happens, but uh, just, I, I think we've mentioned some favorite Ash and AG moments, but there's like, there's like a lot. So Marion, would you have any, any that really stick out to you? Okay. The, the moment where they flip each other off, to me is <laughs> extremely like good. That's the height of Definitely. Ash and AG's relationship. <laughs> I mean, I, I have two moments actually which to me are extremely representative of their relationship. And one is the, the, the part where they flip each other off and they are, you know, idiot boys together. And the other one is when Ash gets free from the mental facility and AG is like, you know what? I don't want to fight you. I'm just... And he hugs him and he's like, I'm so happy that you're fine. And as it's hesitant at first, but then he just lets himself be loved and he <laughs> and he hugs AG as well. You know, those are those are pretty nice moments to me and are pretty representative of their relationship. Yeah, and definitely the the hugging moment was like, oh, I was like, Oh, you're definitely a couple. Like AG's like, let's not let's not fight Ash. Like, I don't wanna upset you. So I'm just going to give you this hug instead. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> that's that's the good <laughs> stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I call them banana, husband for a, banana husbands for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> they definitely give 
they can give you married advice at some point and then at the next moment they're being absolutely silly and idiotic together and you know the it's a definitely close relationship that that's how you know it's love when you can flip your significant other off like it's nothing you know that's love <laughs> Yeah, and I, I I definitely, like, I really actually do appreciate AG being, like, I don't, like, just stopping the conversation and being, like, I don't want to fight anymore, <laughs> whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, Ash, you almost just, like, I thought you were dead, like, the news reported you were dead, and now you're not, so I'm just gonna hug you, we're gonna take a little pause in this, this fight that we're having, and we're just gonna hug, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice, and It also says a lot about how, you know, they really care about each other and how the relationship they have with each other, it's, you know, it's so nice. It's so good. It's so, it's so organic. I don't know. It's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty healthy relationship. And that's definitely something that Ash needs in his, in his life. That's true. It's like, I don't want to say it's the only healthy relationship because I think some of his gang members and like, His friendship was shorter where they were like they were okay um but you know ag is a whole nother level of it's also the moment where like ash is is breaking down and ag just like holds him and then they fall asleep together and then ash wakes up and is like why is ag here but like okay cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he has a lot of significance significant relationships he has a good relationship with max he has a good relationship with shorter and and his gang but you know there's always i mean ash always has walls with him and only with ae does he let go completely you know yeah oh no i remember now one of my favorite moments is you know his ash's gang ash tells his gang that he wants to sleep for two hours so wake him up in two hours And the gang is like, oh, no, we're super, like, afraid to wake him up because Ash sucks when you wake him up. He's super mean and all these things. And then Aji's like, well, it's been two hours. I'm going to wake Ash up. And then Ash is like, I wouldn't say nice to Aji, but he's not, he's not overly mean. He's just, like, a little grumpy because he just woke up. And that's how people are when they wake up. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's not like murdering Aji. How is this possible? <laughs> There, there's a person who has actually lost his teeth because oh, yeah. just because he he was in charge of waking Ash up, and then AJ goes and slaps Ash, and everyone's like, "Is this this crazy? He wants you to die! Oh my god!" And Ash just wakes up and glares, yeah, glare. glares, and then it, that's it. <laughs> He's grumpy and that's it, but he doesn't say anything, you know. Yeah, and I liked uh, you know any moments where AJ was like. I can't keep up with all this English, Ash. I'm just gonna like rant at you in Japanese, and Ash is like, "Stop speaking gibberish at me! Like, what are, what are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that that's actually pretty relatable to me because English is not my first language, and I definitely have had my moments where it's like, "Okay, wait, can you speak slower? What I don't get? What what's happening here?" <laughs> yeah, although in the manga, I thought. I don't know. Maybe I just misremember, but I, f I thought it was like somewhat inconsistent how much or how well AG understood English and how well he could speak it. Because at points I was like, does it, he just seems to be speaking like perfectly fine English. And then other points it would be broken a little bit. And I was like, I'm not getting a good read on this. <laughs> like I thought some volumes it was just like completely clean. Yeah, I kind of I wonder if 
that's kind of like the same issue it has with the curses that sometimes they censor mm. the curses and sometimes they don't i think it i wonder if it's a localization issue yeah possibly <laughs> watching the watching the anime i actually wonder does he even talks in broken english is he even supposed to speak in, in broken english in the first place i mean i'm not sure but it, it might be a localization issue yeah uh yeah because i i definitely feel like it was inconsistent so probably it just another localization <laughs> issue but yeah ooh, they also had that like you know these are all these are all scenes that are like kind of around the same time but there there's a scene where they're also like eating japanese food i think it's actually not in the first scene where they're eating japanese food but then Eiji's like eat uh natto or whatever for breakfast <laughs> which is like infamously i think very divisive in Japan. Like some people love it and other people are like, yeah. this is the most disgusting thing ever. And Ash is definitely in the, this is the most disgusting thing ever camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he never gets over it. He never gets over oh, it. Oh yeah? Way. Does it come back? Oh my God, I hope it comes back. Yeah, it's our yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's so good. Um, but yeah, are there any other moments you wanted to mention or any other final thoughts you've had about this first half before we wrap up mostly maybe i mean there were things that made a really strong impression on me when i read banana fish last year like the the queerness being associated with abuse and another and other kinds of mess up things because i remember them being worse than they that they actually were like I'm rereading the manga now. I'm actually thinking, hey, you know, they actually handle this very well. That it's actually banana fish is a lot better than I remember handling abuse and trauma. You know, I I always remember banana fish framing them as the traumatizing and horrifying experiences that they are. But now that I'm rereading them again, it just um I used to have the impression that it deals with them mm. worse than they actually do but they, it's actually pretty I mean it deals with trauma and sexual abuse in the consequences the sexual abuse has an ash um, I think it's pretty neat how it deals with it in a way that's true with Ash character without undermining how horrifying those experiences are how scarring they are because you had a lot of different and uh, different phrases like there's a part when ash is with max and he's and he talks about disassociating when dina mm. raped him and he says that so casually but it says a lot of how he deals with his pain you know and then there are just moments from ag's point of view where it reveals that Ash actually has a lot of problems. Troubles. I mean, he has problems sleeping well. He has recurring nightmares, basically. In he calls out for his mom and so on. I mean, he's. I mean, it's clearly something that never truly leaves him. And even if he makes the effort of, you know, put a, a frown and be casual about it, it really it has a strong effect on his life. Yeah, I guess I would say. Ash is good at compartmentalization, perhaps. Uh, and Ag is the is the one character that he's like, I don't have to compartmentalize with Ag. I can just let that all come out. I can unlock it from the box that I've buried deep within 
within myself the the place where I bury everything I can let that show <laughs> with with AG yeah pretty much and I think yeah that's pretty much I think uh well we can end here I think that's a good ending point we've talked a lot we still have a whole other episode this has been the first 11 volumes of Banana Fish I guess we didn't establish where exactly that ends but I believe that is the intro of the new character of Blanca so I know like five pages of that's his name right Blanca I think so I don't know that guy who's come to like he has been successfully stalking Ash in a way that other people haven't Ash has just been like I feel a presence but I can't find it yeah we are leveling up here yeah Um, So we're going to find out more about Blanca next time. But until then, thank you for listening to this episode of Shoujo and Tell. Uh, If you have any comments, questions, constructive criticism, concerns, you can email us at shoujoandtell at gmail.com or leave a comment on this episode. If if it's about this episode in particular, it's shoujoandtell.com slash bananafish1. You can also tweet us any random shoujo thoughts you have or whatever. Uh, we're at Jojo and Tell on Twitter. You can also Facebook, also at Jojo and Tell, and Instagram and Tumblr. Just look up at Jojo and Tell on all the things. Marion, where can people find your work on the internet? Where can they find all the all the writings that I have referenced <laughs> frequently throughout this episode? I have a blog called Takushi Road, and it's takushigrow.com. That's it. And I'm on Twitter. I'm eccentric Marion on Twitter, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and if you want any banana fish things, uh, Marion has definitely been tweeting them, so <laughs> you will find them. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so if any if any of you are listening on Stitcher or using you like the iTunes, if you could leave a review of this podcast there, that would be super swell that would be it would make my day truly (laughs) like i'm not even joking it would also help the podcast reach more hearts or at least ears thanks again for listening obviously next time we'll be back for the final eight volumes of banana fish to be clear that's volumes 12 to 19 uh so i can only guess how this will end because again all the the literary references of salinger and hemingway those are depressing dudes Nothing good ever comes of these literary things. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So we'll find out, though, I guess, next episode. Until then, bye.